Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the Discussing Film Newscast. I am your co-host Michael Slaven. I'm joined as always by Breetrin Shahazad, or Bean as we will be referring to her in the podcast. So this is a really big episode, so we've got Oscars, we've got a new Marvel slate and a first look at the Eternals film done by now Oscar winner Chloe Zhao. We have an uh, English version of another round to talk about and most importantly some discussing film scoops. The first ever time on the newscast, we'll be bringing you exclusive news that can be found on discussing film. So make sure to listen through and then check out all of the content on discussing film. Right, so since the last episode, we've had the Oscars, one of the biggest events in the whole film calendar. And I was going to say it didn't disappoint. It very much did in certain ways, but it was definitely eventful. So it gives us a lot to talk about. What was the standout part of it for you, Bean? I want to, like, talk about the awards Mm -hmm. or any of those things or, like, wins, but I legitimately can't get out of my mind, like, first and foremost, how terrible the ceremony was. Like, just in terms, (laughs) just in terms of, like, in the memoriam was one of the worst I've ever seen from the Oscars. awful. So bad. To, exp- to explain to people who, di- who um, maybe missed that bit or just tuned into the highlights the next day, so the in-memoriam is usually like a really big part of it um, and is this really emotional thing. And what, what they must have done it, what, like double the normal speed, triple the normal speed? Yeah, so I think for reference, the in-memoriam, like a couple of years ago, they had like a live version of Blackbird by the Beatles and, you know, the sad song. And then it would go through like all the people who had died who were connected to the film industry. And it would sometimes like for the very big actors, it would play like scenes from their movies. Um, this year, they picked like an upbeat song, not like an upbeat song, but it had a high BPM. And then they matched the actors pictures to the BPM and they just like flew through it. No scenes like you didn't have to stop for anyone. I think they missed people. Did they not? That's miss what I Jessica heard that they didn't Walter. even. I believe they missed Jessica Walter. Um, they missed Naya Rivera too. Yeah. They didn't have her in there. Yeah. Yeah. So they they like missed people. They didn't take their time. Uh. I that was just like the the thing that stood out to me the most because we were watching this live. So I don't think many of us were paying that much attention. I mean, discussing film watched it as had like a watch party. Mm-hmm. But like every time I looked up, something completely just dumb was going on i i'd say i also find it really interesting that like it was a call of like some of the most like we're we're a bunch of people who talk about film as one of the most like regular things that we do in our lives and we do it for free at the moment and it wasn't grabbing our attention because the, the ceremony was so boring like everyone was just kind of chatting and we had it on in the background as opposed to like actively being like yes this is the oscars we have to take in every second of it it was a really poorly done and weird ceremony in general um characterized by the big story from it was we were all watching and then suddenly it jumped from i don't remember what award it jumped from i think it might have been supporting and then it just jumped straight to best picture and we were all like are they just introducing these early like why have they done this and then everyone realized it was because they did best picture first so that they could finish on best actor in order to have this big emotional thing for Chadwick Boseman 
Yeah, because the way the last three usually go are best actor, best actress, and then best mm-hmm. picture. So where there would have been best actor, they replaced it with best picture and then had best actress and then had best actor. And I remember, I was like, because everyone's like, oh, they're doing this so they can have best actor last. I was like, no, they're just introducing the nominees. Mm-hmm. Because usually, you know, they introduce the nominees, like, throughout the show. And I was like, for whatever reason, they're just going to introduce them now. And then I was quickly proven wrong with a swiftness. And it was really upsetting. (laughs) If it helps, I was wrong very soon after. Because I went, oh, that means that Chadwick Boseman has won. That's, like, a certainty. that There's no way they're just going to do this without, like... Like, I kind of went, oh, it's so mad, the idea that they will have done a super quick in-memoriam not allowed his widow to speak after having forced her to sort of come out to the ceremony. They must know that he's won if they've put it last. But uh... And then that's when I said, I used my little thinking brain, because I remembered the great Moonlight, La La Land's mess up mm-hmm. of whatever year that was. And I remember reading, the person was like, there's only like three people in that room who know ahead of time who's going to win. Mm-hmm. So then I was thinking, okay, the programmers definitely do not know. Because they have nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. They, they were probably not, like, given any instruction at all. So they're guessing, too. Imagine if it doesn't happen. And then I was... <laughs> and <laughs> it then, didn't happen. And then Anthony Hopkins won. And we're not... And at th- this point has to be said, because there were some kind of horrible things being said on Twitter. Anthony Hopkins' performance in The Father is, on all accounts, incredible. It is more than a deserving winner. That's not the issue that a lot of people had. It's the fact that, like, some producer did come out and he basically went, yeah, we still stand by the decision because it got people to watch and it kept them interested. And it's like, everything about the Oscars almost framed Chadwick Boseman's death as a marketable thing, not a horrific tragedy that is still affecting so many people, including his widow, who was there. And then just to compound how little it seemed like they cared... They didn't allow Hopkins to accept the award on Zoom. Uh, And so just said, oh, no, you're like 87. You can just fly out to one of our Oscar centers in London or Dublin. To which he obviously said no, because that is incredibly dangerous at the moment. So it just ended. And it was the most abrupt and weird ending ever. Yeah, apparently, and no one was there to, like, get it on his behalf, too. They were like, oh, the Academy will accept this on his behalf. But I heard, I read, I'm not sure if this is, like, confirmed, confirmed, but apparently Olivia Coleman was supposed to pick it up no, in yeah, his that absence. No, was, that, was, that was confirmed, yeah. Yeah, so they didn't even get that right. They just abruptly, like, canceled it. They were like, he's one. Okay, we're going to accept it on his behalf since he's not here. The end. This whole ceremony was just messy like it was just from start to finish just weird it, it was just so odd and that was reflected in um does this show the lack of relevancy in the oscars does this show that it just wasn't that engaging or marketed well i don't know but it did i think it wasn't a, marketed well yeah I was because just, like it did lead to a 56 percent drop in the viewership so what do you think about the how it was marketed I, cause I didn't, if it wasn't for discussing film, I wouldn't have known, honestly, mm. that it was going, cause I didn't see anything online and see anything on TV. Um, now I get the constant sponsored by Chevrolet Emerald Fennel thing after the fact that now that I know that Chevrolet sponsored the Oscars, but like going into it, I didn't see any of that. 
which because like when you think about it the low viewership it's not like people tuned in and dropped off when they realized how boring it was yeah. people didn't tune in in general just because the oscars did a bad job mm-hmm. and again i do think it was massively marketed off off chadwick boseman's death to the point where they had all all of the people who attended were awarded an nft of chadwick boseman's golden face which not even getting into how problematic and weird nfts are do the research yourself they're not very good um it didn't look like chadwick boseman it's super weird anyway to give out a but i think a separate company does those that's still to, to allow it to happen though just i think really reinforces what I believe, which is that they saw his death as an opportunity to market the Oscars as this, come and watch this emotional, amazing thing happen, you know? Yeah. I mean, if they marketed it at all, which they didn't. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like like they should have had a backup plan if he didn't win. I feel like they should have at least given... given like his family time to speak or done something mm. for him yeah, at the very least absolutely. At, at the end of the in memoriam i think that his widow should have been allowed a chance to speak um regardless because it was a huge loss for the film industry and he was nominated twice in both the supporting and the lead category at the award and, and I don't think that Anthony Hopkins came out of nowhere either. I think that people were surprised that Chadwick Boseman didn't win. But in the awards leading up, Anthony Hopkins was picking up steam. So it shouldn't have come out of absolutely nowhere. And they shouldn't have had nothing planned. It was, for me, so disrespectful and so awful. And it just really soured what was like a pretty fun day up until that point. Like It was very fun. Like It was a weirdly done thing. But, you know, it was still enjoyable seeing some great movies win awards. And then that happened, and it's like, well, that's what everyone's going to think about when they think about this Oscars from now on? Yeah. I mean, 2020 wasn't a great year to begin with. <laughs> Which I think I think someone mentioned that that's why you end with Best Picture, because even if the Anthony Hopkins thing was, like, terribly mishandled, that wouldn't have been the last thing that we saw. It would have exactly. been Chloe Zhao winning Eternals. And if we saw that, people would have at least, like, left with, like, a good sense about the awards season because exactly. I think someone mentioned that the year that Parasite won, like there were conversations about how, like how white the acting pool was, like the acting nominations were, I but st- no one was talking about that because Parasite won at the very end. Exactly, and just a very slight tangent, just a super weird thing. I still don't understand how you can consider a film to be the best picture of the year and not consider any of the composite parts, the actors to be worthy of an, even a nomination. Like, I can see how you can think of better performances in one than the other, but I think it was blatant racism that none of them got nominated for that. But that's... I'll avoid a tangent. This is a newscast, not a, not a discussion cast. Blah, blah, blah. Um, one... I, I would say it's important with the Oscars. Like you mentioned, it was amazing that Nomadland won Best Pitch. We should pay attention to not just the weird things that happened but also the awards um that were given what was like your standout in terms of what were you really excited to see win an award um sound of metal winning best sound yes. very nice it meant i didn't have uh, to burn down discussing film. 
Yoon Jung winning supporting actress. Yes. Very nice. Um, I expected Nomad Lad to win cinematography. Not so nice. Mm, yeah. Which went to. Oh, I'm not gonna say it. You gotta say it. I'm gonna make you say Mink. it. Mink. <laughs> okay. I think we're being a little too mean to Mank. Like, we don't mean... It's, it's just... Okay, listen. You're allowed to have your opinion, but, like, we can't just come on here and just bash Mank like that, okay? Mank is a movie <laughs> that is made. And that's all I can say about it, because I, I, I legitimately... I don't have bad feelings about Mank. Like, I didn't sit through Mank, yeah. like, incredibly, like, angry and sad. I was like, oh, this is such a, like... A bad movie. I didn't feel that. I just didn't feel anything. So. <laughs> just don't feel anything anymore, really. I mean, like, I felt stuff watching the other nominees. Mm. Such like, as. Like, I felt if you're talk- anger at the end of Promising Young Women. <laughs> if you're I talking felt- about feelings at the um, Oscars, second time in, like, a week... Thomas Vinterberg made me cry. When when another round was awarded best film not in the English language, I literally I tabbed out of the Discord call. I muted all of you and just sat and listened to his speech and it it was beautiful. It was so nice to see and I would have loved for him to win best director um cuz after speaking to him, he was just the kindest, most insightful person. Um so obviously I'm just saying that I'm completely biased but yeah it was really great I think to see that win and give him 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 have the opportunity to honor his daughter who passed away I, I really love that oh Michael isn't there another another round news yes so there's going to be an English language remake of another round with Leonardo DiCaprio starring because, uh, speaking of Parasite, um, Bong Joon-ho and his quote about there is a whole world of film hidden to Americans because they cannot overcome a few inches at the bottom of their screen. Just watch the Danish one with subtitles. Like, why, why is this a thing? I don't know. Honestly, I, like, I'm trying to, like, find an angle to justify it in my mind. But mm-hmm. it's not, like, okay, I don't want to say this justifies, like, remakes of, like, East Asian movies or, like, Bollywood movies or, like, African movies, but with those cultures, they're so far removed from American culture that people feel that disconnect when they watch, and I don't think there should be remakes of those movies either. I think you should just watch them in the original language, but I am trying my best to see what angle these people had like i want to see why they because danish culture is not terribly far from american culture in that respect like it's not a foreign thing like people understand what culture is like in europe so i i i don't i don't get in the slightest why this would warrant a remake other than the fact that people just don't know how to read subtitles this isn't even the first one either because the other one of the other most prominent danish films of recent times the guilty um, is being remade with Jake Gyllenhaal so that we already have that and that is already such a fantastic concept that, that, that especially because that is simply it's a film of a uh, police 911 caller 
dealing with a hostage situation and it's shot entirely uh, from the perspective of the 911 caller and it's this incredible thriller and they're just doing that but it's in America so there is no cultural difference there it's just an American remake that they think can make more money um, Parasite is getting an American series and then with another round the biggest thing for me is that it at the same time as you said isn't different enough but it's also so different because it's a film about European drinking culture. And I know there have been a bunch of jokes about it, and you and me joke about it. But American drinking culture is not... There isn't really a drinking culture. So why is this film being done? I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean... I keep... I'm sorry, I, I like just I keep putting I, it on you. And you don't... I mean, okay, it, so not... listen, listen. I don't know. Uh-huh. I just will say that alcoholism also exists in America. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> But I think, okay, a big part of this movie was the fact that people in high school were drinking, like teenagers. Mm -hmm. And teenagers do drink in America, but it's not like, in that movie, it was like pretty regular. They're like, oh, I have like three beers a night. It's a normal culture. Yeah. American teenagers don't like drink every night. They get like slizzard at parties. (laughs) (laughs) Slizzard. Like. Yeah, and also just to like. It's just so many little things with the project. Like, Mads Mikkelsen is a fantastic actor who acts regularly in English. So if you're going to remake it, just do it with him. And then you okay. can even have a film of, like, the clashes between him being Danish living in America and then the clashes between the two cultures there. But DiCaprio... Yeah. I mean, Vinterberg defended this. Yes. Your boy... He did. He was He's, all like... And I'd do it too for he, a check. <laughs> he was like, listen, this is an artistic progress. Uh, an artistic... What do you say? Project. An artistic project. And he's just like they're using the text as a starting point because you have to remember it's different cultures rather than just different languages but that's what i'm saying is it really like is it enough to warrant a completely different remake no and i don't think they should do that from other movies too like i don't think that people should make parasite in america like capitalism is the same problem no matter where you are in the world so why yeah. can't you just watch the korean version i don't know that's crazy to me and it's when they're so well done. If it was like another round was this deeply flawed but interesting concept. It's like if other countries went and did The Purge. You just go, yeah, fair enough. It's a really interesting concept. The film itself wasn't very good. So you want to take it and do your own spin on it. But another round, The Guilty, Parasite, all incredible films, don't need Western remakes. Um yeah, it, this is just going to be when this comes back around in a few years' time. I'm just going to be getting on everyone to watch the original version. I don't care how good the DiCaprio version is; it will never have that same magic that the original does. Yeah. So moving on to another piece of news from one of the big winners at the Oscars, uh, Chloe Zhao's Eternals film. After her win at the Oscars, everyone was joking that like. Kevin Feige had the trailer make, had the trailer editors double time adding Oscar winning director, best picture winning director to the trailers coming up for Eternals and uh, as that was said within like a week uh, we got our first look at Eternals as part of a huge Marvel sizzle reel 
laying out their slate for the next two years, which included, as I mentioned, a first look at the Eternals, some more footage of Black Widow, and some release dates and names. So where do you want to start with that? I know this is completely random, but my mm. friend told me when you hear Stanley speaking in that, it's taken from <laughs> it's <laughs> it's taken from a statement he made about the Unite the Right rally, and they just took clips out of context and put it. <laughs> this is all real. Been always, always <laughs> centering in on the big piece of news. Sorry, I just. I don't know. I I watched this is all real. I'm very excited. Probably personally most excited for the Marvels. Mm-hmm. Okay, truthfully, I did not watch this is all real. I just watched people talk about it. Hey. So I'm most excited for the Marvels. Mm-hmm. Um, the Miss Marvel show, which I don't think was included no, the, in this is all real. It was all film. We're so yeah. prepared on the newscasts. Uh, so I'll, I mean. I'll, I'll run you through the big bits of news from it. So it was a opening sizzle looking back at the um, the the lead up to the current state we have of the Marvel Universe. It included a uh, audience reaction to uh, Endgame. Um, it included, so they were overlaying different shots and it had Stanley talking about, you know, they could be your brother, they could be your sister. And then as they said they could be your sister, they cut to a clip of Rambo and Carol Danvers and Captain Marvel. And I just wanted to mention this because it was like, they've called them sisters. Honey, they're gay. Like, let's let's not beat around the bush here. That was no, so No, wait. Funny. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. Um, and then as you mentioned, one of the big... Uh, apart from the first look at Eternals, one of the big pieces of news was actually that Captain Marvel 2, um, being directed by Nia DaCosta, uh, was actually going to be the Marvels, showing that Miss Marvel and Monica Rambeau were going to be not just side characters in a Captain Marvel 2, but uh, seemingly co-leads alongside Brie Larson. Um, so yeah, what, what did you think of that? Um, okay, so the same friend, I'm talking about Ari, he works at Discussing Film, so mm-hmm. shout out to Ari for giving me all this comics knowledge, <laughs> but <laughs> when we were watching WandaVision, he was talking about, like, Monica Rambeau's, like, power set, mm-hmm. and it's, like, very obvious in the show that she has, like, kind of, um, a bit, like, she, she has some unresolved issues with Carol, mm-hmm. uh, she probably has, like, feelings of abandonment, and apparently in the comics... They can, because Captain Marvel can, like, use energy and Monica Rambeau can turn into energy. They can, like, combine Mm -hmm. into one person. Um, Like, they can become, like, a super Marvel or something. So, that's probably what, like, that just kind of solidifies that that's probably what this movie is going to be about. It's going to be about them kind of, like, overcoming their issues and, like, learning to work together. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to be very much like a found family thing because, as we know, Miss Marvel, she's kind of like a like a fangirl Mm -hmm. and she obviously really looks up to these to carol at least probably these women so it's gonna be a really interesting dynamic and i think it's gonna be so good it's gonna be so good there has never been a found family story that bean has not found and obsessed over so i am also very excited for the marvels but i'm very excited to see your reaction to it because i agree that's not true but we'll (laughs) we move sure um We've, we've alluded to it, but there was a lot of information about the Eternals that we haven't really seen before. We had some looks at uh, Angelina Jolie and her character in the film. 
Uh, we had some shots of them slightly far away, but in their um, in their costumes. We had sort of a big team up one team up shot. That look, people are saying it looks like they're from the CW. They weren't wrong, but it doesn't mean you're right to say it. Okay, first of all, that's such a basic shot of them. Like it's just a shot of them yeah. in the forest. The reason you think that is because Riverdale has the forest aesthetic. Like, it's not... It's not... Because, like, usually when people talk about the CW being bad, yeah. they, they talk about, like, the awful special effects on Supergirl or something. Like, this wasn't even that. It was just them standing in a forest. It was just an odd shot for them to pick to be part of the marketing, I think. Because um, there's nothing wrong with the shot by itself. I'm sure in the movie we're not even going to notice it for more than a second. It was just a really funny one, I think, to add as part of the promotional material. One of the things which they were very smart to include as part of the promotional material, though, was they had a shot, beautiful shot of a sunset um, on a beach, which is typical Chloe Zhao for anyone who's seen her work before, especially Nomadland. Um, and that coincided with news that came out recently that Chloe Zhao was really fighting for practical locations for Eternals, and they actually cut a sample reel together to show the Disney high-ups, which... They were shocked that there was no VFX work, that it was right out of a camera. And I think that was then quite clever to them take advantage of that piece of news leaking and include that as part of the Israel because that's one of, I'd say, the most exciting things about Eternals, that this is like a true auteur being allowed for seemingly free visual reign to tell a comic book story. Yeah, because I think Feige talked about the reason that they... Um hire smaller directors now is because they want that increased vision and a lot of people are like is it because you want the increased vision or do you want people who like won't fight back with you and it's like it's probably both mm. well, truthfully but but she's won an oscar now she she can say what she wants well the, the movie's already done filming practically so they're, they're still editing though are they, are they not i mean they are but mm. i feel like i don't know it yeah. like it's most of it's already done and that's coming out in November of this year. So although we've already had One Division and Falcon Moon Soldier, we're going to be getting three more MCU movies before the end of the year is out with Black Widow, Shang-Chi, and then The Eternals, seeing at the end of the year. Um, there was a bunch more announced. I'd say the big... the big. Bro, did you forget about Spider-Man? Is that coming out at the end of this year? I think oh, it is. That's... Okay, yep, you're right. It's in December 17th of this year. Uh, I remember because it's a couple of days after my birthday. Like this, so I was like, oh, maybe I'll see I it love, for my birthday. I love the MCU, man. This is, this is a lot. This is a month between movies is, yeah, rough. Mm. Don't forget about TV <clears throat> shows, too. Yep. No, I'm not. I'm not. So that's going to be it- six MCU properties this year. Near constant content, baby. Get ready to consume. Consume. Um, I'm just gonna keep that in. This is this is what the MCU has done to me. I'm keeping this in. This is authentic. It's true, unfiltered newscast. It's me getting things wrong. What more could you want? Moving on to the next, like, and I'd say the last, like, really big piece of news from the sizzle reel. There were dates, there was orders, there was hints towards future things, such as a Fantastic Four logo at the end of it, but no new details on that. Uh, I'd say the n- name reveal of Black Panther was the big, the big other reveal, and it being 
Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which obviously with the connotations of Chadwick Boseman having passed away and them seemingly have to deal with the deal death of T'Challa in the film, I think that people have criticised the name. I think it's quite fitting with what they're clearly going to have to address. What do you think? I don't like the name. I feel like I don't like the majority of Marvel Phase 4 names, but I'm just in the minority with that. Because I don't, I don't I, think you are. I, I don't like Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, that's wrong. I don't that's like No Way Home. That's fair. Uh, I like Quantumania. See, the worst What's one w- is the one that you're fine with because you are unabashedly an Ant-Man stan. I think it's fun. It sounds like... um. A theme park ride, and the doesn't mo- make it a good name for a film. I mean, think about, but like those are the feelings that the Ant Man films give me. It's just like pure unbridled joy constantly. <laughs> so you don't like Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, then? No, I just that's obviously the phrase that everyone knows from the movie, but it's just I feel like it. It's not. I don't know. I guess we're gonna have to see the movie when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Obviously. And how that name ties into the themes of the film. But, like, realistically, like, thinking about it, it's just not a great name. Mm, agree to disagree. Okay, why do you like it so much, huh? I already explained. I think it's fitting. I think it's nice. It's neat. Uh, moving on, though. Marvel Sizzle Reel. Lots of MCU coming. Time to consume. So much coming, so much content, all the content, all the time. Um, moving on from that to discussing film content. A big part of the newscast was always going to be us being able to present discussing film scoops. And we've got a lot this week. We have three. We have three. Do you want to start off with the first one? Yes, because did you watch Fairly Odd Parents? I did. I did Loved too. It, you could say. Uh, they're getting a Fairly Odd Parents live action TV show, and it's going to start filming in late June. Um, exclusive. Christo- exclusive. <laughs> exclusive. 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 Christopher J. Novak is hired as showrunner. He did like Victorious and Salmon Cat. Butch Hartman, who is the original creator of the show, is the executive producer. Which, if you don't know anything about Butch Hartman, I wish I was you. That guy is so weird. Like, go look up what he's done on his own time, because I don't have time to unpack all that, and it makes me kind of upset that he's still involved in these projects. Is he the weird feet one from Victorious, or is that someone else? That's um, Dan Hartman, but um, Butch Hartman, he, he... I'm pretty sure... You can cut this out if I'm wrong. I'm gonna Google this when we're done, but I'm pretty sure he tried to start like a family friendly streaming service but it was like an extremely religious like point of view like he wanted to do like a religious a religious streaming service for kids but not like have all religious content and also he's known for like plagiarizing work and like plagiarizing his drawings and I think he also started, like, either a Patreon or a Cameo, where he was, like, charging people for just, like, lazy stuff. Like, the guy's kind of, like, broke, obviously. I don't understand how you're broke if you have this many successful TV shows under your belt. But, he, yeah, he's just such a weird guy. I don't... Fairly Odd Parents series. Filming Fairly Odd Parents series. <laughs> 
I mean, I'm still going to watch that. Oh, yeah, it's going to be on Paramount+. Plus. So I actually can't watch because I don't have Paramount Plus, but I hope people, that's another thing, I guess. I feel like streaming services will not flourish unless they have a good catalog for kids. And that's why Paramount Plus is going to do well, because Nickelodeon is super popular. So Paramount Plus, I think it's going to be like an underrated streaming service because they're going to put all like their Nickelodeon shows on it. And then so family's going to buy it who really like Nickelodeon. So I think that has that going in for it. Anyways. And then moving on, so this, the second big scoop. So it's that a, an addition to the Spumbaker, the Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel characters, um, the live-action Silk series is being eyed to begin filming in late August. So that's an addition to the Venom universe and Morbius. And then moving on to the big, the big disgusting film scoop, the Juicy Boy, we have... <laughs> That Black Sails co-creator Jonathan Steinberg is set to co-write and executive produce the Disney Plus Percy Jackson pilot with Rick Ryden. And that is, this is the, since we heard that Percy Jackson was happening and that it was coming to Disney Plus and the huge budgets they were going to be getting and that each season was going to cover a book. This is the biggest piece of news in a little while that we've actually got about this. So what, do, so what do we know about Jonathan Steinberg? Because I, I personally hadn't really heard of him or his work before this announcement. Okay, Mr. Jonathan Steinberg. Um, uh, he's the creator, runner of Black Sails, um, a show that I have not watched, but I heard it is very good, very well written, and extremely good extremely graphically violent so it's very much an adult show Mm -hmm. but here's how i'm thinking about it and i'm like i feel like it's easier to go from adult content to children's content than it is the other way around absolutely i mean i don't want to like discount family-made content because that's it's it is hard to make children's content but i think that if you run such a successful tv like if you're really good at being an adult content creator that should transfer exactly and i think that with rick ryden we already have one of the most successful children's writers of all time i think it's interesting that he'll bring that perhaps more adult perspective to it whilst the the amount of creative control that rick ryden has over this project ensures that like yeah, this is going to be fun for the people who grew up watching Percy Jackson. But th- this show is going to be primarily, and they've said this a bunch of times, so this isn't something to worry about. The show is primarily going to be for kids who are the age that we were when we read Percy Jackson. So I, I think it's really exciting and a uh, great piece of news. And uh, make, like I said, just makes me really excited for the Percy Jackson series. Yes, I will be watching. I definitely still watch children's content when I think it's going to be good. We're also so I know, I know it's going to be, I know that really good writers are able to like bridge that threshold. You, you know? Are you ready, Bean, for the, for the best, the, the, the best segue of all time? Yeah. Speaking of pirates. Taika Waititi has been cast as Blackbeard in HBO Max's Our Flag Means Death. He's also set to direct the pilot. I just, I love that we're getting pirate content. Pirates of the Caribbean was all we had for years. We're getting more pirate content. 
Well, yeah, because I I don't know how often this is, but Pirates of the Caribbean basically like created the genre. Like pirates were not cool no. before Pirates of the Caribbean, and that was based off of a Disney ride. So, like, you go you go in the little boat, and it shows you the different scenes. They made a ride out of that movie, and it's become, like, one of the... It, like, revitalized an entire genre. Which, of course, before Pirates of the Caribbean, there was Muppet Treasure Island, and... <laughs> also, you know, just which I guess, Treasure yeah, the, Island. Not Treasure Island. Treasure Planet. I mean, we're talking oh, about the, the 90s here. Yeah, I know there's a book. I know there's a book. There's also a movie. There was a Disney movie in the 60s or something. Treasure Island. I know. Moving Listen, on. there are so many pirate books. Okay, we're not talking about pirate books. We're talking about pirate movies. Muppet Treasure Island was the most notable, and Treasure Planet were the most notable pirate movies this before Pirates of the Caribbean. And Pirates of the Caribbean is what picked it all up and created all these, pop- repopularized the genre. Okay, I know my pirate lore. I'm just excited to get Taika Waititi as a pirate. And also the fact that he's directing, I think, is really interesting. It's similar to The Mandalorian. I love that they're, like, getting him in. They're getting him through the door as an actor and then just going, yeah, do you want to you wanna direct him? Do you want to direct an episode? Go on, dude, direct an episode. Whoa, go on. I like it. It's, it's very sneaky. There's going to be a biographical film, or a biopic for short, for one Mr. Jim Henson from Disney called Muppet Man. Now, I feel like since I said Muppet Man, you should have a good idea who Jim Henson is. But if you don't, I will educate you as someone who watched, who owns a Jim Henson um, documentary. He's the Yoda and guy, did right? the dis- Okay, shut up. <laughs> and, he- <laughs> and I watched the Sesame Street documentary and did the review for Discussing Film that hasn't been published. I know so much about this man. Um, the Muppets, Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock, they were all made by this guy named Jim Henson, creator of Jim Henson Studios. Right now, Disney owns the Muppets, which is probably why they're making this documentary. Um, basically, if you don't know who, like, I'll start from the beginning. He basically, he was a puppeteer, and he was one of the first ones to, like, find how express, like, he made the Muppet, like, the body was never done before, like, for the Muppet, where, like, you ha- you could have really expressive puppets like that. So when he developed those, he first did, like, ads, then he did Sesame Street, like, he made the puppets for Sesame Street, and the reason that we don't you can watch a biopic i'm just gonna run through it real quick and then he made the muppets and it was originally id show in the 70s and then that's when we started getting muppet movies so like the muppet movie muppets take manhattan so on and so forth he at some point did fraggle rock and the sad thing about jim henson is that he died pretty early he died in the 90s he was only like 54 and it was a really sudden thing he just i think got sick he got like a cold or something and then i think he got an infection from that and he just died. So he did so much in such a short period of time and he brought joy to like so many people. Because when you think about like the Muppets, I know a lot of people associate it with like children's media, like Sesame Street and such, but it was also quite prominent for adults. Like Fraggle Rock and Sesame Street were for children, but 
the Muppets was developed as a variety show so both adults could like watch it along with their children and the movies are just so beloved so like he was quite an influential figure he like changed puppetry he also made like Labyrinth the Dark Crystal all those movies so he was just like this really incredible figure and we like haven't seen a biopic for him before so very excited I hope Disney does not mess us up because they don't care about the Muppets anymore but I care and I want to see this do well, because I very much enjoy Jim Henson. Where in the film do you think they're going to have Man or a Muppet? No, at all. I don't know why you brought that up knowing full well I do not like that song. What? But what? actually, no. No. What? No. You know what? They're going to play Rainbow Connection. I'm probably going to cry in the theater. <laughs> I would like to see that. Yeah. Or It's Not Easy Being Green. That's another, like, famous song. So, going on from something that Bean is unreasonably passionate about, something I am unreasonably passionate about. So, How I Met Your Mother spinoff has been announced. How I Met Your Father. They had it in the bag, you know. Um, initially, they had a show lined up with Greta Gerwig. Um, Kristen Malotti is a fantastic actress. She would have actually killed it. She was so great in How I Met Your Mother. She came in with this impossible task of living up to seasons worth of setup for who she was going to be, and then she absolutely killed it. So the show would have been perfect. And then they killed the project, and now it's going to be a Hulu show starring Hilary Duff. <sighs> what are your thoughts, Michael? As the biggest How I Met Your Mother stan I know. Well, no, that's, that's Ben. That's DC TV show. <laughs> Come on. I, I really like the show. That's not me. Uh, I don't know. I I think it's like it's like 10 years too late, and this is like a just grab for let's have some form of content because streaming services are always at the moment. There are so many uh, redos of old shows popping up and spin-offs of old shows because they're just grasping content and i feel like the how i met your father is not coming from a place of we have a story to tell here it's coming from a place of well we had this project we had this half finished script let's just find a name and shove that out and i really hope i'm wrong. wait a second i just realized something you just realized hillary duff hillary duff hillary duff she was supposed to be in the live-action Lizzie McGuire TV show. Mm-hmm. And then it's that canceled. got... It was canceled because they wanted to do a more adult telling. Like, she wanted a more adult telling of her life. And they were like, no, probably... And the reason they did that was probably because they didn't want to dirty, like, dirty the Lizzie McGuire bland. So then they probably were like, we can give you another show where you can be doing a similar or thing. It's that you might show. have been done I Lizzie think McGuire, I don't think it's the same. How I met your mother are in the same universe. No, that's not yes, what I'm saying. I'm not saying it's the same show. We all agree. That's not with what I'm you. saying. Michael, I hate you so much. Yes. <laughs> so I'm not Lizzie saying it's McGuire. the same show. Yeah. I'm just saying that this was probably the vibe that she wanted for the Lizzie McGuire TV show. Mm. And this was the best replacement they could get, could have given her because her other contract fell through. Perhaps. I I still... Yeah. I think that it's going to have a contractual two forced appearances from Neil Patrick Harris as Barney that are going to be awkward and out of place. Um, They're going to 
what's what's his name? Jason Siegel. Yeah, they're gonna raise Jason Siegel from like whatever rock he's living under right now. <laughs> That's not nice. The, the man of man or a Muppet, and you're disrespecting him like this. Your favorite Muppet yeah. song. Man or Mu- the the creator of Man or Muppet sang that song, and then he just disappeared off of the face of the earth. We'll see if he comes back. It must be a fat paycheck for him to do that. So to finish off, we've got we've got some great news. We've got some great news, Pete. I'm a, I'm a real happy boy. I'm a very very happy boy. We have. I'm smiling through my microphone. Thank you. Um. So Invincible this past week uh premiered its finale. It was incredible. There was a really great reaction. Um, and they went out and announced the Mad Men, not just a season two, which we all knew was coming because they'd already cast people for season two, but a season two and free, which just says to me that you don't go out and just announce two seasons without being confident that this show has done really well and this is a show for the future. So I am excited. The future is invincible. Go watch it if you haven't. Have you had a chance to watch it yet? No. You're dead to me. Okay, then kill me. I don't care. (laughs) That's staying in. (laughs) So on top of the Invincible news, uh, it was also announced that Ted Lasso is premiering on July 23rd. But my comfort boy is back. Jason Sudeikis, hit me up. I need you to rock me to sleep at night. Only if you're wearing the Ted Lasso mustache. Are you excited for Ted Lasso season two? I guess. The reason he asked if I've seen that yet is because he knows. Because we watched it together. He made me. Um, make you. That's yes. a strong word. Okay. I encouraged you at gunpoint. He point. suggested it. He encouraged me. At gunpoint. <laughs> yeah. What happened is like, oh, I'll watch one of your movies, Bean. And then we watched it. And then he was all like... Do you think what's an acceptable trade for this is that if you watch Ted Lasso with me and then he made me watch the first episode with him at gunpoint and then I was like, actually, this is kind of cute. Like, maybe I don't hate this. And then we watched the rest of it. It was good. So, yes, I am excited. Nice. Uh, We'll talk about it more at the time, I think. But Ted Lasso, everyone who hasn't watched it yet, go and watch it. This might be a friend yes. at gunpoint. Who knows? It's a, it's a podcast. You can never tell until we start a video version of this, you know? Who knows? Ted Lasso is coming out on Apple TV. That's the streaming surface it's on. And also on Apple TV, uh, Coda is premiering on August 13th. They just released the premiere day. If you don't know, Coda originally came out at Sundance. I reviewed it for Discussing Film. We're going to link it. I very much enjoyed the film. Coincidentally enough, to bring this entire conversation full circle, it's an American remake of a French movie, but it's about deaf people, so I guess that's a little bit more warranted because there is a different de- different culture here or surrounding like deafness, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, CODA stands for Child of Deaf Adults. It's about a girl, and she has deaf parents, and she likes to sing, and it's a coming-of-age movie. It's very cute. It's very wholesome. Like A lot of people would like it, and that's probably why Apple TV broke the Sundance record for bidding on it and they mm-hmm. bid they bought it for twenty five million dollars, which is a lot of freaking money. And for reference that's they they didn't just buy like a concept to it, they and then produce it themselves. They bought literally just the rights to release the film. So twenty five million for that is huge. 
Yes. The so they did it because they think a lot of people will like it. So the previous record was completely smashed, actually. 25 million. It's not like before it was like 24 and a half. The previous record was uh, Palm Springs, which was bought uh, for 17 and a half million and 69 cents because they're hilarious. Um, but 25 million over that, that is just a huge acquisition. So I'm really excited to watch it. Yeah, they have a lot of faith that it's going to be like, it was definitely a crowd pleaser, mm. I feel like. And I feel like a lot of people will enjoy it. But yeah. that depends if a lot of people will watch it. So go read my review. Decide if you want to watch it on your own time. <laughs> okay. Right. I think that wraps up all the news for today. Um, thank you so much for joining me as always. Um, make sure to follow uh, Beaton at, at Beerbean on Twitter and at DF Newscast. I'm at MichaelSlaven98. Make sure to follow for all of the future scoops and all of the film news at Discussing Film. And uh, give us a review on on Apple. You know, we wouldn't we wouldn't mind that. You know, if you link 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 the Spotify to some friends, you know, subscribe to the YouTube channel. All of those all of those things that you're supposed to say for the algorithm, so that this can become the biggest film podcast in the world. What even is the biggest film podcast in the world? Like, I don't us. think we're gonna beat them realistically. It's gonna be us. I'm okay. This all in. Editor He's manifesting. Thank you, guys.